what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello everyone and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson and over across from me, Chris Fry. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to the show. We've come up with interesting pairings in the past and movies. We always try to pick two films that are mm-hmm. going to be interesting to talk about. Otherwise, why pick them? Um, and the juxtaposition between the two we have today, I feel like, is just it's just fun to even think about. So I'm, 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 I think it's one of the best pairings we've ever done. Right, we'll see if you can pick out the theme, as I mentioned, the two films that we'll be reviewing today. Uh, this is Foot Candle Films, where uh, Alan and Chris were with the Foot Candle Film Society, Foot Candle Film Festival, and this podcast, Foot Candle Films, we get together, we talk over new movies, we give our reviews, we also talk about some upcoming movie news, and we always end the show with a recommendation of a film we think is worth going back and checking out uh, if you're looking for something to watch in the coming days. So Chris mentioned the, uh, the, at the, the mixture of the two films that we'll be reviewing. And yes, we will be reviewing, first up will be Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun colon Maverick. Make sure we get that name in there correctly. Followed by the film, the latest Alex Garland film, Men. So if you can kind of figure out the theme that we're going with, with those two (laughs) tied together, kudos to you. Um, We will be reviewing both those films along with a few uh, news items and then our recommendations at the end of the show. Chris, I think we have a lot to talk about, or at least I do on a couple of these and you on maybe, maybe one or two of them. We'll see. But I think we got a lot to talk about. Let's go ahead and get right into our first review of the sequel to the 1986 opus Top Gun. This is Top Gun Maverick. Here we go. In three, two, one. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Chris, do you recall the movie Eight Mile, the one that starred Eminem? Yes. Okay. If you recall, at the end of that film, what they did, they were getting ready to engage in a kind of a rap battle, kind of a you know onstage thing, and Eminem was there, and he has a lot of stuff that people, other rappers were probably going to use against him in their rap. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to lay it all out there. And then that's going to kind of make this whole thing end a lot sooner. So he insults himself before they can. Exactly. Gotcha. So he just went ahead and put everything out there on the table that like he basically made his own rap about himself where he basically was saying everything bad about himself. And then uh, that you know kind of made him look good in the end of the, at the end of the day. So I'm going to pull a little bit of that with Top Gun Maverick, okay? I'm going to go ahead and t- say everything that uh, is wrong with this movie. Okay. And then that way I can dump it over to you and mm-hmm. see what you have to add or contribute after that point, okay? Okay. So Top Gun Maverick, we do have a, a rerun, a repeat of 
Top Gun from what gosh was it thirty six years later I think thirty six years, years ago. Mm-hmm. still serve uh, starring Tom Cruise as Pete Mitchell codename Maverick, um, yeah, he's still involved in aviation we find out and but yeah he gets brought right back into the Top Gun world to help teach a group of new or not new pilots but some of the best pilots in the world to go on a very dangerous almost suicidal mission uh, to save the world. So, Chris, let me go ahead and tell you everything wrong with this movie. Okay. And then I want to hear your thoughts. How much uh, time do we have? Uh, I got some time. <laughs> okay. Uh, is a is a play-by-play rehash of the original, even down to some of the exact dialogue, which some people could call that sloppy and lazy. The storyline and the conveniences of Maverick's journey, how he goes from place to place or called into action, pretty ridiculous, really, really paper thin. The plot beats along the way, super predictable in terms of like who's going to be fighting, who gets chosen to go on a mission, all those things. Very, very predictable. The supporting characters, like outside of Maverick, pretty cliche, super paper thin as well. And it could be argued that this film really, Tom Tom Cruise, good actor, but you could also say he kind of coasts on his charm through most of the film. A lot of winking at the camera, a lot of flashing the smile just to kind of get people with the, that's the, uh, only the look feels. he has. <laughs> the only, okay. So there, Chris is already starting. All right, I prepared for this. It's fine. Chris, all those things in place. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are problems with this film. Absolutely problems with this film. However, I want to hear your thoughts on how you felt when you walked out of the theater after watching Top Gun Maverick. Because I know my thoughts. I'm guessing there. This I'm, is a rare. I'm guessing where we there. Actually, wild, saw this film. We together. did see this film together. I'm guessing our opinions are, are wildly different, which is why I wanted to go ahead and drop the gauntlet with all the negative things first, so that way I could leave it up to you to fill out from there. So, how did you feel about Top Gun Maverick? So I've actually put as much thought into this as I could, and I can sum it up with uh, two words. Okay. It is aggressively adequate. Um, aggressively adequate. adequate. And I'll okay. explain. All right. Yeah. Um, by this, I mean the film was indulging in fam service from the opening scene with text on screen that I come to understand is the exact same text that was in the 1986 oh, the original. Yeah. And then the music accompanied by pictures of planes taking off on aircraft carriers and um, the Kenny Loggins song, <laughs> Dangers. Like, I mean, just, you know, no bones about what it was being. It was, it was fancy. It's like, yep, here we go. It managed, however, by the second third to kind of drift into something resembling new ideas. And by the end, it was successful enough in being entertaining. So it was adequate. And I say aggressively adequate because I think I think they were trying. They really were. It wasn't, you know, did I love this film? Well, no. Did I love the original? No. Um, however... I think they really tried to do something rather than just make a sequel. It's like, here's why we're making the sequel. For example, something I can point to Tom Cruise. Um, I think he is a good actor, but like a lot of stuff about him can annoy me. And like the, the cocky Tom Cruise that he can do, which is what Top Gun's all about. Like that just annoys me. (laughs) And so from the trailers I would see for this film, I thought it was going to be, you know, a sequel with him making little clever quips and being put up on a pedestal once again. I mean, the title of this movie, you could think, I mean, the way they do the logo is Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick. It's like his name is part of the, Mm -hmm. (laughs) part of the movie. So 
All that said, but it wasn't that. They did try to humanize Maverick. Not that they didn't in the original, because we all know Goose died. Hello. So that kind of humanized. He made made a mistake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, I felt like they at least tried to kind of do something. Now, they started off not doing that, but I think they made an attempt. So I I was surprised at how adequate this film was. Your opinion was a little higher than I expected it to be. A little higher. This is good. Surprising. I, even despite, I want to go and get all those negatives out of the way. And those are negatives. I do feel like the film has some problems. Okay. But at the end of the day, I had a really good time with this film. I did entertain it. Yes, I'm a fan of the original. So yes, it was catering to me. I knew this as soon as it's almost like you feel like uh, advertisers know who you are and are targeting commercials right to your demographic. They knew. They knew who was in the audience. They knew what beats to play to get it. But And I will hear it to say, it worked. And I, I don't think I'm alone. I think tons no, of people, it totally worked for. $250 million or whatever it made over the week. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it totally yeah, worked no. for people. Sure. I, I, I did really enjoy this film and had a really good time with it. I was pleasantly surprised with how much I did enjoy it, given that every indication would have been that it would not have been that great a movie going into it when the idea was announced and when they kind of kept delaying the film, I just thought, well, that's not a good sign, but I see why now they delayed it. They knew they could bank on the theater attendance. If it in the positive word of mouth, if they got into movie theaters, when I think, you know, seeing a movie like this, like you say, because of the, the planes, the plane sequences, you know, I think seeing those on the TV, yeah, it it's just not going to do it. Not you, know, the same. you gotta, you have to see that and hear it and hear and see it with the crowd or see sure. it with the group. I think also made a big difference. Yeah, too. there were there were times when people would, yeah, laugh together or clap or whatever. So yeah, just it made, it with made audience. Sense. I will say too. I mean, I know people are thinking it's all about the money. Which yes, you know, this mo- movie costs money to make. They want to make the biggest bang for their buck, which is having it in the theaters. I will say too that I think the timing of coming after the pandemic when people want something that they can, that kind of feels like a hug mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? people, you know, they want an action movie, but this provided something a little bit more. This wasn't just a fast and furious sequel. This was something that they tried to make more in a way like a hug and have it mean something. Cause it had been 36 years. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I think that, I think that actually helped me be less critical about it because it was like, you know, a lot of people said, Oh, this is a movie really worth coming back to the theaters for. And it's just mm-hmm. like, this is going to save movie making. And I don't know about all that, mm, but, it's a little stretch, I, but I can, yeah. I can see why, like you said, I can see why they waited. So, um, so I'll, I'll point this out. I mean, I, I, I it, trying to get a little more specific with my review here. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I, I did have a really good time with this. I will admit first half of the film I thought was pretty shaky. Okay. Um, there were times in the film early on where because I, it was I, just a lot of fan service. Or, yeah. Okay. Um, almost, Almost too much. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the first half for me was a little shaky because it felt like, okay, we're just repeating plot beats. I thought the dialogue was pretty weak in a lot of places. I thought, you know, some of the characters we were being introduced to really didn't add a lot to the story and just seemed to be kind of playing out very stereotypical cliches that we needed in the film. So by the time we got to like the bar scene where you're introduced to all the other pilots, that was pretty rough. I'll admit There was a moment there where I honestly said, oh, no, I am afraid this film is going to be bad. Can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so now, granted, you did like this film more than me, but these were times when my expectations were flipped. 
mm-hmm. because I was completely expecting this film to have a beach volleyball scene mm-hmm. and to have a bar scene with men singing to ladies and wooing them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get beach volleyball, but I did get beach football. So that not mm-hmm. subverted really. However, the scene you just pointed out starts to be a crowd, you know, it starts to be this singing piano. And I was like, Oh dear. <laughs> oh, you were expecting Here another, we go. Uh, lost you've that lost that feeling. loving feeling. And I was like, I may vomit in my mouth mm. and have to swallow it because I don't want to dirty up the theater. Much. And it wasn't that. And the way they used the expectations in that moment and flipped things and how Maverick was on the outside looking in without spoiling it. I was like, you know what? That's kind of imp- that that actually impressed me. The no, movie the, critic the, the in me the, said, well done. The way the whole scene ended was good. I think it was more just the introduction of all the pilots coming sure, in. Sure, and sure. Like, oh, but we're the best, and who's going to teach us? And there would yeah. be all their names and right. all that kind of stuff. It was stuff. a yeah, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was much. At that sure, point, I remember sure. thinking to myself, oh okay. my gosh, have I made a mistake <laughs> by inviting a lot of people to come see this film all as a group and him here, and I built up so much expectations. Um, but it, I think it, you're right. That scene ultimately did redeem itself. And I think I figured out at that point what they were doing with this film. Okay. okay. I compare it to uh, The Force Awakens, the Star Wars uh, prequel, uh, sequel. Yeah, yeah, sure. The one that came out, the J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. one, number seven in the chapter. Sure. You know, it was an a, a enjoyable film, but I think a lot of people uh, kind of walked away saying, yeah, it was great, but it was kind of just doing a new hope over again. Mm. A lot of the same plot beats, a lot of the same structure to it. It was really kind of ultimately the same. It wasn't hit it, hit, a, hit you on the top of the head about it. It wasn't so blatantly obvious, but it was one of those where you walked away, you're like, it was good, but it just kind of felt like they were just relying on a lot of tropes and uh, storylines to work with. Almost like where I felt like The Force Awakens was something that a calculator uh, computer came up with to say, all right, Mm. we need to make a film that's going to appeal to the original fans because the prequels did not as much. Okay. So let's re rig the the calculation and the formula. And now we've made this movie that we think is going to hit all the right moments and key points to affect the original fans of star Wars. And it generally worked. I think this film is different in that they just said, there's no computer, there's no formula, (laughs) screw it. We're just doing it all again. I was surprised at how much footage they showed from the original film, like flashback-wise. I was like, huh, that's really interesting. (laughs) But I mean, this film really just said, you know what, we're just doing it again. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. Even if we rip off some of the same dialogue and we use some of the same shots and same sequence, it's okay. We're just going to do it. And there's no... They're not being coy about it. They're not being, you know, trying to be subtle or anything. It was truly a, look, we know you like the original. We're going to use a lot of the same plot beats and dialogue and things because we know you're going to like that. Plain and simple. And that's going to make for a fun movie. And that's what we did. So I kind of admire them for that, for being so blase about it and just just making another version of Top Gun that <laughs> continues the story, but basically the same character arcs and a lot of the same, same beats to it. Um, but it still worked. So I still had a good time with it. I'll say too, you know, we, you talk about how it does hit a lot of the same beats, has a lot of the same characters. Um, previous or prior to going into the film, I knew that Val Kilmer was somehow going to be mm-hmm. integrated in. And I had my questions as to how that was going to be done. Um, the way he was incorporated in the film made me really, I, I really admired the way it was done. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of made me forget some or forgive some of the other callbacks I found irritating. 
I mean, and overall, all the callbacks they do in this film, they're not that this that one was really good. The like referencing of Val Cameron having him in the film that was really good. Like to be a film that's built so much on that. Something like you 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 mentioned Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That's kind of. I kept thinking of No Way Home with Spider-Man, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a mm-hmm. film that's built so much on your yeah. nostalgia yeah. for the Spider-Man films that have come before and how irritating how you and I both were not very high on that film. Mm-hmm. Like this did it and it was still effectively done. It was still yeah. trying to do something new, mm-hmm. even with all the callbacks. So I, I yeah. might have, but the, how, what was your take on the Val Kilmer? No, I did. Basically I, it was a scene. It was yeah, well done. But what was I, your take on that? I do think it was well done. I, I think it was, I, I, you know, having him there and knowing, of course, you know, Val Kilmer's own personal health issues and struggles and all, it was kind of poignant to have that. What I liked about the scene though is, and I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything with this, that, that Maverick is, sees Iceman as not just a friend, but they treat him almost like a mentor a mm-hmm. little bit, right? which is not, you know, if you thought about the original film and these two obviously are the adversarial, but they have their moment at the end where they kind of help each other and they're all like buddy buddies at the end. But you see that that relationship has progressed. Sure. I mean, it is not just, Hey, we're just buddies that used to fly together. It's no, it's like, uh, Iceman has become extremely successful and kind of well-known in the field. Maverick still got his bad boy attitude or whatever, but he starts to look to Iceman as like, I need some guidance. I need mm-hmm. some help. And he really trusts Iceman. I like that dynamic. And it didn't take a whole lot of like somebody to tell me that, that you could get that from just seeing the two of them talk. I'm like, that was really well done. So I did like that quite a bit. I thought it was well handled. Yeah. I, so, you know, overall, you know, I like I'm aggressively adequate. I give this a pass. If you really, if you like the original, you're going to, you're going to like this film. There's yeah. no way you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair something to say. that I found my, with all the tweaks they did to Maverick mugging and his bravado, one of the things that, and I think they did a good job trying to like tweak him and try not to put him on a pedestal too much. The one thing that I wish they could have found a way to do, which I guess they just can't take that away from Maverick because then he would lose his name, Maverick. He would mm-hmm. just be, you know, what is his name? Peter? I don't even know his real Pete name. Pete Mitchell. Pete Mitchell. Okay. They'd probably just go back to calling him Pete because they'd mm-hmm. be like, you don't deserve Maverick anymore. Maverick is a Maverick. And once they get past the opening montage, it's the same thing. He does something that break, he, he breaks the rules and he doesn't care. Okay. So he does that once at the beginning of the film. You're like, okay, this is the same dude. He's always meant. And doesn't really get any repercussions for it. Now, okay, fine at the beginning of the film. Then two-thirds of the way through the film, he does it again. And I was like, you know, in a way, if they're really trying to show, like, he would finally get, like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. He would finally get a repercussion for something that he's other than just being brought into the office and yelled at by a teacher, which is essentially yeah. kind of what happens both times. Like, and I understand the reasons, especially the second time when he does it, but still you're just like, yeah, but you know, like mm-hmm. if you're really trying to show growth, but that that's, that's a minor quote, but I did find myself thinking after the second time, I'm like, really? So basically this dude could just do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> it's playing, it's playing that classic archetype of yes, there is an authority figure, but everybody, even the people watching the movie know that the authority figure is wrong. <laughs> So therefore we admire and like anybody who's going to fight that authority figure and do something against their rules. And then we feel like they're still going to get rewarded for it because ultimately they were right. And yeah, it's cliche and it's, I think 
a tad overused in this movie. I mean, I think there's two or three scenes where that same exact thing happens, but then it's like the person reprimanding Maverick still like at the very end being like, but I got to, <laughs> but you're amazing. But I, and I hate having to do this, <laughs> but I'm going to have to send you back out. Right. I mean, I think yeah. it absolutely happens twice. It might be a third time in there too. But again, you know, I could look at that and, and, I roll and say, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, you can look at it as sloppy. Like we need to get Maverick from this place to piloting this place. And then we need to get Maverick from teaching these students to now doing this. And yeah, you could say it's sloppy, but I think it's done with love. And I think it's done with fans in mind. And I think the fans eat it up. I mean, we love it. So speaking, you know, I, I think it, it works. Although if I'm looking at this from a purely critical with no fan service around it, no history, no nostalgia behind it. Yeah, it's it's flimsy. It's pretty weak. And, um, you know, Tacking, a lot of things you have to take with a grain of salt. Tacking on to your fans eat it up, if we're going to follow that metaphor. Yeah, I mean, this film is nothing more than a Big Mac. It's not some gourmet meal. But, you know, sometimes you just really want a Big Mac. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that, it's yeah. a, it's, a, it's not, it's no, you know, gourmet meal, but it's, it's a Big Mac. You know what you're getting, and at the end, you, you're like, well, that filled me up. You know, I, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the last time. And granted, I know the, the pandemic time has kind of shifted our perceptions of time yeah. over the last two or three years. Absolutely, I can't remember the last time I saw such a crowd experience. Hmm. Where even like my 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 sons are on one side of me, and they're saying that the girl next to them in the seats was v- like weeping at the end. Uh-huh. I saw older people in the theater, which sure. is also kind of interesting to see. We haven't seen sure. that in a long time. People, sure, uh, kind of older and older in life, and they're there. But you know, some of them are wearing T-shirts with Top Gun and Blazer oh, wow. on it. I mean, they're doing fist bumps during the film. <laughs> now, look, you can you can you can wipe away a lot of script and characterizations and other little minor things that that we as critics tend to pick apart in a film like this, you can wipe away a lot of those criticisms when you realize that, wow, this is a film that is entertaining large groups of people, getting them to the theater experience and enjoying it as a group. I don't know. There's something kind of special about that. So kudos to Top Gun for pulling it off. I think they, they did it and they beat box office predictions. I mean, they're making tons of money. Uh, you know, and I, I walked away with a good time. Did I have some points? I'm like, yeah, you know, this didn't, I don't buy this and this didn't work. And I wish this had done differently, but at the end of the day, it's the Big Mac and the Big Mac was tasty and I, it filled me up and I'm good. Speaking of, I want to, I want to touch on something. I've heard a lot of fans of the original come out and say that this movie has done what they didn't think possible it surpassed the first one. And oh, they yeah. Said, I don't want to blaspheme yeah, yeah. the first, but they think this is a better film. Now, would you say that? Um, on most, on most aspects. I okay. mean, you know, if I had to rate it on like, you know, a dozen different attributes on most of them, or when yes. you rate it in letter, letterbox. Right. It is a better looking film. It is a better shot film. The action sequences are definitely more, even more thrilling. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to like, you know, Acting, it's the same. I mean, and there's sure. no real difference. Story, because uh, not really that different. Um, sure. But I think technically, yes, it is a better film. Technically, it's put together in a package that is a, a much more rousing 
film. Top Gun, the original, is a rousing film. But this one, I don't know. Something about, especially in that final 30 minutes, it puts together a package that you come out... I mean, people next to me were, you know, breathless. I mean, they're saying they're just like, you know, my heart rate was going up during the film and it was thrilling. And then it was just such a relief at the end when you, you know, how it wraps up. So hmm. I think that works. I think that emotional side of it works so much better in this film than the original. So, Got you. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think it's better than the original. I thought it was also an achievement that Maverick manages one of the cleanest airplane hangers I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And he's designed an oil repellent white undershirt that never get, regardless of working on planes and stuff, it's, it's just true. immaculate. Yeah. So yeah. That he he needs impressive. a patent for that. So <laughs> yeah, he needs clearly. to market that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have even mentioned, and this has already gone on a little longer than we thought, I think. But uh, It's Top Gun Mavericks. It's going to um, be bigger, better, stronger. We didn't talk about Jennifer Connelly as the love interest. And look, she's playing another uh, cookie-cutter character that you know, doesn't have tons of backstory to her. But there's but, enough. But she was good. She was good. I mean, she was good. And I, I did enjoy her presence in the film. And uh I personally think she made for a better match for Maverick than maybe the one in the first McGillis film. Did. McGillis did. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, and you, I like the fact that these two have had a history. They didn't have to go and spend any, like we didn't have flashbacks to see them. I mean, it's just, you just get a sense of who they were from their interactions. And I thought that was, that was handled nicely. Um, I got I to gotta call out one last scene I okay. thought was impressive. Okay. So just like you were about ready to groan uh, if you thought they were going to break into you lost that loving feeling yes. singing at the bar. Yes. I was about to be a little groan worthy when uh, Maverick and P- Penny, the Jennifer Connelly character, mm-hmm. were kind of having a date and ended up back at her house. And I thought, okay, here we go. Here's Take the obligatory. Away, here's the obligatory <laughs> love scene. Right. But – it doesn't, mm-hmm. and it treats it in a very mature level, which is Penny's got a daughter, and they're both, you know, older, and they're, they're trying not to rattle the daughter any with this thing. So, right. you know, uh, Maverick has to try to slip out of the house. It's just, I'm like, oh, good. Okay, yeah, let's, let's take this to another level. Let's make this a more mature where they are in life instead of it just being spit swapping on screen for another three or four minutes <laughs> to like a pop song. So, and I thought uh, that's when the Lady Gaga song was going to come. Yeah. Out. The Lady Gaga song didn't show up until the very, end. the very end. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I thought that was a, anyway, I thought that was a nice choice, a mm. nice decision made. And I liked that a lot. Miles Teller or Teller. We didn't mention that, um, as Brewster, um, son of goose. <laughs> I did not care for any of the other pilots in general. I mean, I thought they were all fairly, Fairly bland, unfortunately. I mean, but but I did think Miles, Miles Taylor was was good. I liked him as Goose, or not Goose, as Rooster. I thought um, Hangman was a good enough surrogate for Iceman. I mean, he was. I mean, I felt like he was over the top, but I think that was very intentional. I think they wanted him to be as mustache twirling looking. Glenn Powell, Glenn was Powell. the actor's name. I think they wanted him to be the absolute epitome of Iceman as much as possible. Right. And I thought he was a little, uh, little over the top dialogue wise, but um, but I do think I think Miles Teller was good. Yeah, um, I, I liked I liked him a lot. I think he he was able to carry the anger he still held. I think he was able to portray the yes, he's a well liked guy and he's a good pilot, but there's enough insecurities there that he's still dealing with, and it, it managed it well. So sure, yeah. Overall, I did have a really good time with the film. I liked it a lot, much better than the original in my book. Um, I'd be happy to see it again. 
I've been able to look over the plot contrivances and some of the conveniences in the script and some of the dialogue that wasn't always as fleshed out as I would like for it to be. But overall, it was a very, very enjoyable experience. So for me, and sound like a little better than you expected. I, uh, yes, and, it uh, was better know. than what I expected. That's good. Not being a fan of the original, really. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this was just going to be one groan after the other, and it it, it wasn't. So you had minor groans in it, so <laughs> right. that's not bad. Right. All right. Well, that is Top Gun Maverick. It is uh, is still playing in theaters. It probably will be for a while. It's one of those that I got a feeling it's going to have a long box office life. I think so. I think it's kind of pulling the the Titanic model of, yeah, it's going to start strong and word of mouth that just people are just going to go back and see it again and keep it going. And it's reaching out to all demographics, you know, more than I mean, most other it, films. It's PG 13. 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. And it's, you know, comes out this summer. It seems like the perfect when it gets yeah. hot outside, like, okay, too hot. I don't even want to go to the pool. Let's go to the theater. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So that is Top Gun Maverick. Now, Chris, let's move on to our second review and let's talk about the latest film from director Alex Garland, starring uh, Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. It is Men. You're tormented. It feels more like haunted. Yeah. Alex Garland, director of Ex Machina and Annihilation, had his latest film hit theaters May 20th. The reaction to men has been mixed. The folk horror film from May 24 follows a recently widowed young woman, Harper Marlowe, who's played by Jesse Buckley, who goes on a holiday in the English countryside only to find herself disturbed by the men in the community. Alan, what was your experience with men? So um, I'm not big on horror films. We, you and I have talked about this. We're not big horror buffs. I mean, we don't actively seek out horror, but we do like well-crafted, well-made, a little more interesting artsy uh, art related or psychological horror type of thing. Sure. So I was, I mean, I'll admit I went to a theater. I thought I was going to be by myself in this theater <laughs> watching it. I did go see it in the middle of the day just because I'm like, ah, I just want to kind of watch it in a safe environment, a safe time of day. Um, so I can talk about this film in two, two ways. Okay. One is as a quote horror film. Okay. okay. Then there's the, as a Alex Garland film. Sure. There's two but angles. She to has it. his kind of mood or. That's know, right. We talk about ex stuff. machina. We had annihilation. You know, as two films that he's made that both are ones that you you find yourself talking about. Annihilation, especially. There's a mm-hmm. lot to process and digest right. with that film. So talking about this first and foremost as a genre horror pick, um, I thought it was really effective. I mean, I thought this, this film was creepy. I thought it was scary at the right moments. I thought it was... Um, kept, you, kept you at the edge of your seat, for better or for worse. I think mm-hmm. Alex Garland has a... In my mind, he he knows how to show you on screen what he wants to show you on screen, and there's nothing more and nothing less. It's not about jump scares. It's not about you know in this film, it's not about how to how to how to intentionally scare people. It's just putting you in an environment where you're not sure what's happening next, and anything is possible around you or in the scene. And I think he just does a really good job with that. So as a horror film. Um, I thought it was pretty effective. Okay. As Alex Garland film, 
I liked Ex Machina. Okay. Jury's still out for me on Annihilation. <laughs> I'm still processing that film after okay. all this time. There's just there was a lot to digest there. Got you. Um, but this might be my favorite of his films. Wow. Um, okay. I really liked what he was doing with this story. I liked what he did with the framing of the film. We can, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to go into that would be spoilery, so I don't want to deal okay. too much. And even the last 20 minutes, which I know a lot of people have talked about online, and it's either going to make or break your experience with the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I dig it. I get it. I, I, feel like I, I feel like I have an understanding of what the message is in this film. And I think it's an interesting one. And okay. uh, I love the fact that he was able to do this using almost like a Cronenberg kind of body horror sequences. I mean, it gets really, specifically really the last 20 minutes. With oh that. Yeah. yeah, sure. The last 20, 30 minutes of the film are very uh, graphic. Yeah. I think he could give Cronenberg a run for his money. Absolutely. Last 20 minutes the whole so, yeah. sequence. Yeah. Agreed. Um, it started out shocking enough and then it got more shocking as it went along and it was just, wow. Okay. Um, I, I dig it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. It got me, thinking and talking and wanting to have somebody to talk about it with afterwards. I mean, um, but to couch it in a, what you could see on the surface as a horror film. Mm -hmm. And it did have enough moments of that to be generally creepy in my mind. Um, I I thought it really worked. I really liked it. I mean, I like ex machina. Sure. This one just, it just worked. It it hit all the right marks for me. And I'm, 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 I'm I'm digging, still thinking about it. Hmm. So, Chris, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I'll say just, you know, if we do a very surface level, because um, you've hit some interesting things and we'll delve deeper, but, um, and you've give, kind of given a preliminary ranking or whatever in your head. Um, I guess this would probably actually rank third for oh, me wow. out of Alex Garland's films. Okay. Um, for me, um, the pacing of the film wasn't necessarily off-putting because it was like, okay, you get into it, you're like, oh, this is going to be a slow-paced film, which I was not expecting. I don't think of him as a slow-paced director. Mm-hmm. I mean, third film, major film. But um, it willingly meanders and meanders to the point of wandering off through some beautiful forest scenery, mm-hmm. kind of got me a little sleepy. Um, but then we get to a tunnel scene, which is shown in the preview, mm-hmm. with an echo call and response which interestingly enough in the trailer is shown as something really creepy and hard, but in the film seems to be a moment where Harper, Jesse Buckley actually has a little bit of like, this is really cool. I'm actually kind of having fun doing mm-hmm. this thing. You know, like she, I think she may even smile. Oh, know? she does. No, she's, she's enjoying yeah. doing it. Yeah. And then at that point, things shift into another gear because at the moment she has fun, her, Echoing call and response thing causes something to then stalk her, basically. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And the final 20 minutes uh, go from like maybe second gear all the way into like fifth gear. You know? yeah. And um, it really kind of brings home the whole point the film has been trying to do, which yeah. I have to say, Garland usually, which is why I really like Annihilation, um, it would probably be a tough one between which is my favorite between Annihilation and Ex Machina. I like both those films a lot. Um, maybe what would give Annihilation the edge is the fact that, yeah, there's so much to process. You say you're still processing it. And mm-hmm. if I start to try to think about it or try to explain it, I'll still process it. With men, interesting, kind of a standout for Garland 
is, I mean, the title of the film's Men. Mm-hmm. What do we think this film is about? About men and how they can be toxic. Yeah. I mean, there, there again, it's kind of That's, in the title. Um, yeah. This is unique, I feel like, among his filmography because the message is very clear from mm-hmm. the opening shots. Everything that happens in the film, you're like, no, I, I see what he's doing here. Yeah. You know, it's very much a film of the Me Too era. You know, you like, you know. But then the way he like, okay, in case you don't get it, I'm going to really make it blatantly obvious by what I do in those last 20 minutes. And to me, that was such a creative way yeah. to kind of drive that point. And well, granted, it's very upsetting. Oh, it's yeah. very great. But it really well drives And again, home. I'm going to do this without yeah. spoiling. Sure. But I think where it takes the theme that you're right, we had already gathered kind of the theme of this toxic masculinity and kind of this idea of men and their relationship with women. Right. And you get, okay, we didn't really mention that, you know, the, the film is kind of framed by this idea that, you know, the reason, the reason Harper visits this English countryside manor as on a solo vacation is because her boyfriend, um, or actually, I guess, husband, they were getting a, now they were breaking up. It was never clear if it was husband or boyfriend. They just were just breaking up. Or was they it were, a divorce? I think she may. I think the word divorce may have been You're used right. separate. I think yeah, it was so, actually a, yeah, right. a, a marriage. Yeah. And he has died right after she had given the intention of breaking up with him. Unclear whether it was a suicide or a death to her. Now, I'm saying to her. Now, I know what it was. But to her, she was still uncertain whether it was a suicide or a failed attempt to come get to her. Hmm. That's part of what's going on. And that kind of sets up the whole scene she has with the vicar later at the church, because she's still questioning whether how much fault she felt like if she had any fault at what happened to him. Um, okay. Yeah. I feel like it was definitely a suicide. Now, whether or not she, she, um, I don't know whether or not she's letting herself have blame for it. I don't, Yes, I think that is something that she's well, definitely Well, throughout the course of the movie, with. I think by the end it does resolve it. I think by the end we're we're kind of clear that it was a suicide. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I never mean, felt the, like it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think even she is like, even when she's talking to her friend, it's like into the vicar. She's like, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if when I saw his eye. Anyway, it's not 100% oh, clear. I see. But it is by the end of the film, I think. Right, right. But all that okay. being said, she's she's processing a lot of this. She's dealing with this, and that's part of her reason for getting away. What the ending of the film does in this whole sequence is not just highlight the fact that you know there yes there is uh, men who take advantage of their of their position and their power, but to almost show it as a uh, this has gone on for generations. Mm-hmm. But it has evolved to the point where now her husband, her now dead husband, you kind of see the current state of that toxic masculinity. All right. I mean, I could talk about it. I, I love just the way, <laughs> you know, it started at a, almost a very primal level and there's violence and there's abuse, but then it starts to morph into. Uh, what you know that uh, I think people was, insinuate things. Yes, in kind of, gaslighting, kind yes, of this idea of like you know absolutely. it turns into more and it's a more of a feeble attempt that men are trying to have to to gain control. 
And I love the fact that this whole sequence kind of illustrates that and shows that in a way that just shows you, okay, yeah, this is what we're ending up with now. This is the kind of tactics that some, some men are using to gain their, to keep their power and they're doing it quote in the name of love. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just really interesting. That whole picture that it weaved together in a very disturbing graphic way. Uh, in that last 20 minutes. Um, yes. Yeah. It was shocking. Um, like we said, kind of a David Cronenberg kind of uh, body horror type of situation. But at the end of the day, when you're finished that final scene, it's like, okay, yeah, I I get it. Which was rewarding for me because I don't, I haven't always felt that way after an Alex Garland film. So <laughs> to be able to sit at the end and be like, oh yeah, okay, right, I, I get this one. I'm I, like, All right, I think I'm good. There, yeah, I think that that was what's so surprising. Like I was saying, it kind of sets it apart. Is for the most part, like, yeah, he's he's telling you what he's trying to do. He's yeah. making it pretty obvious. And at the end, you're like, okay, yeah, I got it. Now, that being said, without spoiling anything, mm -hmm. um, the concluding shot and image of the film, I feel like may leave some people disappointed um, because considering what they've seen on Spool beforehand, I wasn't surprised. But um, do you think some people will be like, wait, like, I guess the – you're talking about the shot like right after the credits have started rolling and then we cut to a shot outside of the, the manor. Yes. With, with her, the friend. Yes. A okay. friend arriving. At, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And so like, does that leave you to think all in her head or there was something there or do we not know? Uh, I, I can dance around this and just say, just given what even the friend sees and reacts to, I think, I don't think it was all in the head. Okay. But that's just me. Okay. I, mean, I think it's meant to obviously be very interpretive how sure. you want to handle it. And the fact that the friend emerged, well, the the state she was in when she emerged out of her car and you see the <laughs> state she's in. Right. It just kind of all feeds itself. It all, all works. So, okay. Um, I, I'll call it a couple of specific sure. things. I mean, we've talked about the theme a lot and I think the theme and kind of the storytelling for me really worked. But even going back to the whole horror side to kind of make a film that was marketed and kind of has those elements of horror throughout a good running time, part of the running time, the use of sounds throughout mm -hmm. the film. Sound design was excellent. Motion sensor lights. I'll tell you what. It was probably the most <laughs> effective use of motion sensor lights in a horror film I think I've seen. And it got to the point where you're watching something and it's just that that tension where you know the lights are going to go off. Mm -hmm. You just don't know when. <laughs> and you don't know when they're going to spring back up. And right. I, I love that that whole motif behind it. Right. Um, the tunnel echo sounds and that how those sounds are kind of used throughout the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. That was really great. Um, I got to talk about you know, Jesse Buckley, very, very good as yes. Harper. But Roy Kinnear uh, as, we'll just say as Jeffrey. Yeah. Um, it's in this, the trailer. I mean, you see that there Some, are other characters that Rory's like, involved. Right, right. Um, not going to say to what extent or to right. what detail, but he he has a more complex role than just maybe the one that's that's shown right with the speaking parts in the trailer. Um, and yeah, he was he was really good. I I know I've seen him in a lot of small parts and different things, but I don't think I've actually seen him in a really major role in a film. And uh, he was good. He yeah. was very good. Had a lot. He had a lot to do in this film. <laughs> he, did. he had a lot to pull and his off. Char and his character definitely wasn't one note. Oh, um, no. There's, no. Leave it at that. But yeah. And just, you know, what he had to kind of go through in that last 20, 30 minutes in general, too, was mm -hmm. impressive. Um, 
I will say one little thing. I mean, this is such a nitpick, but there's a there is a scene in, that involves kind of a CGI face on a body um, um, that just did not work. And I think I, I don't know what it was, but it just it kind of took me out for a little bit because it's the film was so. I felt so 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 natural, lived in, and real. But then we get to the scene with a CGI face on a younger body uh, boy's uh, yeah. body, and it didn't work. But again, I, I, and that's a technical thing. It wasn't from the theme or the storytelling. It was just the technical side of it. Well, and I was a I little can, rough. I can, yeah, and I understand what you're saying, and I I see it, and I can say that I feel like it was something that Garland had in the script. And it was like, you know, this, it, it is going to stay. It is going to happen. Yeah. It's important for me to show that because I want to show the width and breadth of all men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so to do that, he wanted to use a younger thing. And yeah, I, and I think, I feel like he was just like, yeah, but and I, I feel like in a way that could play into, which is also part of the film. And I feel like very intentional. That's why I wanted to mention that all in her head or is this really happening? Because that's one of the themes of the movie is, oh, you're just you're just making this yeah, up, or right. oh, you're just sure. that. and so at that moment the viewer's like, wait a second, is this really what's going on? Like you know, but I, I think so in a way I could see how that actually was. I'm not saying you know, the director thought it was intentional, mm-hmm. but how like weird and kind of off putting or whatever, like kind of the point. In a well, sense. so I did I did not read anything about the film beforehand. Okay, but I have read some articles since watching it yesterday, oh, really? and I did okay. actually read a little bit of a a discussion with Alex Garland about the film. And the one question he kind of posed, which I thought was a good way to look at it. I think somebody asking about how much if this was truly in the main character's head or if it was real. Okay, and and the fact that. Rory Kinnear, you see him in multiple instances and faces in different places. And Garland kind of made the comment of saying, well, you know, is it that Harper yes. sees all of these men in the same way, mm-hmm. even though nobody else does? So in other right. words, that was all her vision. Right. Or is it that the message is that, you know, yes, in this situation, all men are the same. And it's like, it could go either way. Right. And it's like, it's her perception of men versus the world's perception of men. Right. And you could kind of play the angle either side of it. And I think, yeah, it's true. It works. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I did, I did really like this film. Yeah. I, I guess interesting, which sometimes can be the case. The more I think about it and the more we've been sitting here discussing it, I appreciate it more. And I think my problem was coming out of the film was that it was just all kind of really simplistic because mm. there wasn't really a lot hidden there. But the more, I guess, the more you dig deep into it, the more you can see, well, there was a, there's not, there's not a lot more going on. Men are, men are bad. Men can be very bad and men can belittle women and men can be very toxic in their masculinity. But the ways that he was trying, the layers of how he was trying to show that, I guess, were more creative than, yeah. can appear at first maybe well yeah yeah and, and even kind of expanding on a little bit that dialogue with garland i was saying um I, I think to kind of expand on that it's like okay so yeah we if you you could look at it as a very simplistic story so you have a simplistic idea and themes that's conveying on but if you dig a little deeper okay so 
is Harper seeing these these men as all the same, even though the rest of the world does not, and she's being distorted by her own most recent experience with her husband? Mm-hmm. Or is it that the rest of the world sees these men as the same, but Harper doesn't? Because Harper never comments on the fact that, hey, it's kind of interesting, or never makes a comment <laughs> to her, her friend or anything about you know what? All these guys that kind of all look the same. It's like right. she almost like she doesn't recognize it. So is it something where the rest of the world is that, and that Harper doesn't want to admit or see that, or or she truly doesn't just at all? It, it it does start to pose a lot of questions about. I mean, there's no doubt the film is obviously an indictment of men abusing their power and abusing hmm. their position uh, over the generations. But where we are today, you know, is it? That all men are, most men are still like that, but yet sometimes the women that they're affecting don't see that or recognize that, or is it that they are seeing it and maybe it's a little stereotypical as assuming all men are the same way, mm-hmm. even though they are not. So anyway, sure. has a lot, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot, which I love. I, I love those kind of questions afterwards. So, um, all right. Well, you got anything else to add on that? I'll say, um, something else. And I think it's probably obvious <laughs> to anybody who watches the film, but um, I thought it was a clever kind of breadcrumb and not that you really need it because the loaf of bread is sitting out there the whole time for you to see kind of what's going on. But, um, and without spoiling anything, there's a mirroring of an event of severing dev- damage that I found to be really interesting as a breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. One is a result of a spike on a fence mm-hmm. and the other is a result of a knife blade, yes. but both very, um, and it's like, it's like a callback to like oh, yeah. something. And it's, I thought that was really interesting. Well, there were two, two, two elements that were kind of carried through. And, you know, like you said, the one is the, um, with a, with a, a hand and a slicing. And then yeah. there was also a foot kind of a broken okay. type of thing. And what I love the fact is, yes, as different, God, this is tough to like really without going and, <laughs> and, and just being very detailed about it. Right. Iterations of people that she encountered. Yes. We're still carrying on those same, um, what do you, what do you call them? Injuries. Those yeah. same, those same things. Sure. So just again, kind of showing that it's, holding on to ways that men have felt wronged and using that as a weapon in a way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, and it's continued on yeah, sure. uh, generation through generation. So yeah, I like that. That was very interesting as well. Um, very gory and yes, disturbing, Yes, but, but well done. So, Okay, well, that is Men by director Alex Garland. It uh, might not be playing at many theaters by the time you hear this recording because it was already kind of stretching it for a second weekend at our local movie theater. But uh, we both are recommending checking it out. Although, Chris, you know, being a fan of Alex Garland's film, is still saying it's his third favorite of the three. Uh, I like it probably the most just because I think it just had a lot more going on to, to talk about. Uh, and that I understood it. So that always is a nice, <laughs> that's always a nice benefit to it. If, sure, uh, sure. if I can do that. All right. Well, that is men. And then out, of course we followed uh, that followed up our review of top gun Maverick. So Chris, how about let's take a quick little break. We come back. We've got some trailers to kind of talk about some new movie trailers have come out about some films coming up soon. And then we also have our recommendations to make for this episode. So we will be right back with Folk Candle Films, 
Stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. Alan Jackson, Chris Fry with you here. We had our reviews of the film Top Gun Maverick and Men, our masculinity-themed uh, episode for this week, um, both from a good and bad standpoint. Yeah, we uh, were both positive on on Maverick, well, at least Top Gun Maverick. I was very positive. Chris was more positive than expected, which is a plus, I think, for that <laughs> sure. film with them. And with men, we're both positive, but uh, I think they could probably even get a little bit more out of it than Chris did, which was I interesting so. as well. Yeah. So I am more positive on both of these films today. So. Nice. Okay. Well, Chris, we've talked about films that are out now. But let's shift our attention to films that are going to be coming out soon. Okay. This is the part of the show where we play some bits of trailers, film trailers, and then talk about kind of uh, what the trailer is promising for us or, or letting us uh, expect for the future, we call it trailer tapas because you get a little morsel, a little taste of a film through a trailer. Um, so, Chris, you got a few lined up I think you want to share with us. So, what, what do yeah, you got? Yeah, so, and I'm going to do them in increasing order of my excitement about them. Okay. <laughs> That's the plan. Uh, so, let's start off with uh, Don't Worry, Darling. Okay, this is Don't Worry, Darling, star, uh, directed by Olivia Wilde and starring uh, Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, correct? Yes. Okay, here we go. Focus right here. Let's have a little drink. Yeah, You and me. Always. You and me. Okay, so that was the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling. That's the second film by Olivia Wilde. She did Booksmart. I think is her I first film, I believe. I think you're correct yeah, yeah. with that, yeah. Um, so quite a departure in like style, very tone, everything. Uh, where where Booksmart, or not, yeah, Booksmart was kind of a, a little more on the uh, indie, kind comedy. of uh, low budget comedy, but, you know, meant to be, didn't really focus too much on stylistic choices or, or I don't think really big director choices. Right. This film, very, very, um, very different. Um, what's yeah. your thoughts so, you know, with the actors involved, I'm interested. I, you know, um, but I have to say, to me, now, granted, I haven't seen it because it's just trailer. Um, it looks like um, Westworld and mashed up with like the Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't really know that there's going to be any surprises. I guess maybe because of how the trailer was formulated, I feel yeah. like I kind of already know. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of been ruined for me, but I will see it because it looks visually interesting. The performances are there, but I don't know. I feel like I've kind of, it just looks like a mashup of already explored themes in Stepford Wives Could and be. with the technology kind of aspects and vast landscape thing of like Westworld, the, the show, the series. So well, I'm, I am, I saw this trailer again. I've seen it a couple times, but I saw it in the movie theater yesterday and I immediately went in and put it on my calendar September 23rd as the release date. I'm like, okay, yep, I'm on board. Let's check this out. Uh, I like Florence Pugh. I like Harry Styles. Um, and then we got Chris Pine also playing what seems to be a kind of a community leader, kind of a 
big, big figure uh, that everybody looks to. Um, I love the stories that have to do with whether it's cults or whether it's kind of these isolated communities. I think those are always interesting. The trailer definitely makes this look very, very, very good. We'll see when the film comes out, but I'm kind of curious to see what as Olivia Wilde as a director is kind of doing and expanding, um, expanding her, her role and vision a little bit more. So it's tagged as a psychological thriller, thriller slash horror. So we will certainly see okay. where that goes from here. <laughs> That's coming out September 23rd. Don't worry, darling. All right, great. What do we got next, Chris? So next up we have um, a film called hustle, which stars Adam Sandler and will be coming to Netflix. And uh, we'll... All right. Already you said two phrases that would normally get me very worried. <laughs> right. Starring Adam Sandler, premiering on Netflix. Okay. Already we've had like three or four of those movies that I have avoided. Uh, I think you might have caught up with one or two of them in the past. And, I, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So, so uh, let's uh, s- listen or watch a little bit of the trailer. Uh, you'll And uh, get some uh, thoughts on it. Okay. Here we go. The trailer for Hustle. Taking me to see basketball or bare knuckle boxing. We do everything. <laughs> I'm Stanley Sugarman. I'm a scout for the 76ers. So you're 22 years old. Because you can't be in the draft if you're over 22. Yes, I'm 22 years old. Who's this? It's my son. How old is he? He's 10 years old. Okay. Okay. This Philly thing. There's room to grow there. I want to coach someday. Do you love being away from home all the time? Best chance to win in here is with you out there. What the hell am I still chasing this for? So you're just going to give up on your journey? Mm-hmm. Okay, Alan. That was the trailer for Hustle. It is rated R, coming to Netflix, starring Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Sports movie, but yep. it does have the pedigree of LeBron James as an executive producer. So you mm-hmm. feel like there's going to be some cred in there. Um, thoughts? So I like my sports movies. Um, other than Hoosiers, I don't think there's been I, I, a really good basketball movie that I can say I really enjoy. Teen Wolf? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say Teen Wolf is a sports adjacent movie. Um, so this could be really good or it could be really bad. I, I, I I feel like the trailer's already too sugary. A little I feel bit, like maybe? the trailer's already probably given away way too much of the, the storyline. We kind of okay. know where this is going. If it goes completely saccharine and sugary sweet, yes, it'll be a, it'll just, it, it won't be anything at the end of the day. Uh, I don't feel like, but it could surprise. It could turn out. I mean, it depends on where, where the story takes it. And I think a lot of it's going to hinge on Adam Sandler's performance too. Yeah. I mean, he's a hit or miss actor. We've talked about him a lot of times. We've seen some things we love him in. Uncut you know, Gems. Uncut Gems. The Meyerowitz story, uh, uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, there's a couple other movies. I mean, Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's done good stuff. His dramatic turns tend to be more rewarding. We feel like a lot yes. of times with the comedy stuff, he can do comedy, but maybe it's just dialed in at this point. But this is interesting because this is the first role I can remember him playing where he's not going indie odd unique character right and he's not doing crass broad comedy character he seems to be doing a very real character mm-hmm. you know like a a more real human being where a grounded yeah. exactly uncut gems i'm just saying that was kind of a, a very ex- 
restrained character are very different from his persona. Meyerowitz, okay, Meyerowitz stories, he was kind of in that same, they got to play a little quirky and kind of in a, in that sandbox. This to me is like, oh no, I'm just playing a real dude, a real guy, a coach who, and, and we'll see. I, it could be really good <laughs> or it could be junk. Sure. I don't, I just don't know at this point. Um, yeah, to me, the biggest thing is, are there, is it going to surprise me at all? Or is it going to be beat by beat, like uh, paint by numbers, exactly what we're expecting? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. All right. Interesting. So now we have a third one. Correct? Yes. And uh, if you follow along, this is the third. This is my most, I'm most excited about this film. Uh, it is called Brian and Charles. All right. Here we go. I never thought I'd make anything as amazing as Charles. You built my body. I built his body. My name's Brian. This is my infamous inventions pantry. It's actually a cow shed. Things went a bit topsy-turvy in my life. I was very alone. Ah, fiddlesticks. That's when I just started making stuff. Yes. So that was the trailer for Brian and Charles. Um, obviously, Alan, I am excited about this film. I feel like people who have listened to the show long enough can be like, yep, this seems like a film that Chris Fry would like. It's kind of Wes Anderson in some aspects, um, but the humor is more Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. uh, which a Taika Waititi-Wes Anderson collaboration to me would be amazing. Um so I'm I'm on board with this film. I think it looks funny. It appeals to me. Alan, what are your thoughts after seeing the trailer? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm on board. I think this looks great. You know, just for the because I know people are listening on audio on this and may may not quite follow the the sure. plot line of what these trailers are. But sure. this is about a gentleman named Brian who kind of is in a deep depression, doesn't have anybody to talk to, kind of isolated. And he ends up building himself a robot. And obviously, from the course of the trailer, you see that they have some encounters and adventures along the way. Um, yeah, no, I think this looks great. I think this could be wildly entertaining. Reminds me a little bit tone wise and style wise, kind of the, the hunt for the wilder people mentioning Taika Waititi a little bit heartwarming, but yet funny and eclectic as well. Um, yeah, be interesting to see how this all comes together with this. I, I, I'm I'm excited about it. So one of the I guess the things you could be concerned about, which you know, now I've seen that I'd only seen the trailer once. Now I've watched it again with you, so I've seen it twice. Um, you can fear that everything that's really good you just saw in the trailer. Like there's so a little bit of concern with that. Sure. And I know it, it's it's slated as kind of a filmed almost like a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. In a way, even like the beginning of the trailers, kind of Brian addressing the camera and talking like a documentary is being made. I don't know if that's something they're going to keep as a motif the whole film or if it's, I don't know. And you're right. We may have seen all the really good parts in the trailer. But um, I, I, I'm interested. Hey, I'll put up there as a note. It is going to be rated PG. Like PG. Wow. No PG-13. Nothing Which else. there again, if they can pull that off, that makes it all the more amazing too, that it's actually a funny film that is a PG film that you can show to broader audiences. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and okay. supposedly played really well at, um, what Sun- was the, at Sundance. Sundance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm on board. I'm excited. I think this looks interesting. Um, looks like a good future screening for our film society too, hopefully as a, as an option it comes out June 17th. Okay. Is the date on that. So it comes out here in just a couple of weeks. Hmm. Um, hustle can, comes out on Netflix. Um, let's see if I've got a date for that. I don't have a date. 
of when it comes out on Netflix. I don't know. Um, this year, though, definitely, definitely this year. This year. Um, oh, here it is, uh, June eighth. Okay, so it comes out next week at the time of this recording. Sure. Now, don't worry, darling. Is September? So okay. That one is a little further out. But Hustle here is in June, and Brian and Charles. I'm sure will be limited uh, theater release in different places, but I don't know if it's going to be available online pretty soon afterwards or not. Don't know. Interesting. Okay, good. Three interesting films. I think we need to keep tabs on. I am looking forward. I'm looking forward to all three of them. I will watch Hustle just out of curiosity and <laughs> see how it comes together. I do have a Netflix so subscription. Not? I like basketball. I like Adam Sandler when he does something that's not broad, dumb comedy. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Gotcha. All right. Great. Well, that was our trailer tapas or news section of the show. Uh, so, Chris, I guess it's time to kind of go to the final section, which is where we do our recommendations. We yes. each have a recommendation to make that we think people ought to check out and uh, a film that we had a chance to revisit or maybe see for the first time. And we want to share as a good recommendation for others. So Chris, you kind of took all the trailers there. So let me, I'll sure. go ahead and do mine. Absolutely. And Chris, you and I, uh, we make it a point not to see a lot of movies together that we're going to review because just like with Top Gun Maverick, I think that we want to try to go into our reviews with not really knowing each other's opinions and we can kind of talk it out here on the microphones. Mm Mm-hmm. I've had the, uh, whether it's pleasure or privilege or whatever you call it, to see two films with you in just the last week. Okay, one true. of them was Top Gun Maverick, which we've talked about earlier in the show. The other one was one that we watched um, at a little outdoor screening, uh, a film that was picked out that uh, has always been one of my favorites, and we kind of were watching it with a, with a group. It was The Natural by Barry Levinson, uh, starring Robert Redford. It's a 1983 film, I believe, three or four. And uh, it's a baseball movie, so talking about sports movies, and yeah, I'm talking about hustle, is. this is kind of where it comes from for me. Uh, baseball is an interesting sport for me. I'm not the biggest fan of watching actual baseball, but I love baseball movies. <laughs> so uh, I think maybe the fact that you can boil a game down to like a really fun montage, and I always enjoy that with a baseball game. <laughs> Sure. But this is a story of the natural is of a middle-aged unknown who kind of seems to come out of nowhere to become a legendary baseball player um, with a, a huge amount of talent. But there's some backstory to the character you learn of, you know, as a younger uh, player, he's on his ways to the big leagues to get recruited and ran into some interesting drama along the way that sidelined him for almost 15 or 16 years. Uh, so now he comes back. He's Robert Redford. He's you know playing an older uh, player that is kind of looked down upon by coaching staff and, and players until you learn that now the guy's really good. He's a natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a I feel like a beautifully shot film. I think it looks really really great. We made the mistake of watching the director's cut of the of the film the other night, which I don't recommend <laughs> because. <laughs> I feel like the film is already the right length with the original. I think the director's cut just made it longer and added a lot of scenes that didn't need to be there. And I think kind of spoon fed you a lot more information than you needed to have to enjoy the film. So I would definitely say, look for the original theatrical version. If you can find it somewhere, because it is a slow movie. I mean, it is a slow paced film. It is a two hour and whatever minute film Uh, to add more fluff to it with the director's cut. I just think kind of hurt it at the end. Um, I still think you know, I hadn't seen it in quite a while. I, I still think it's a beautiful, well, well done film. Uh, very enjoyable for me. Uh, 
yes, it, it does lean into some of the sports movie cliches quite a bit. But I think it wears it on its sleeve, and I but think it, it earns it in most cases. But it was also doing it back in the 80s. So this true. is kind so of this setting is, some of the cliches. That's true. Of, that's yeah, true. So. You're right. You know, some of the things were like, this is like the film that started. Right. Some of the idea of, oh, hey, let's have them hit the ball in slow motion and really make it dramatic <laughs> to do it. I mean, I'm sure there were slow motion shots before 1983, but. But this was before Zack Snyder. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, it was before Zack Snyder. You're right. So, yeah. So uh, The Natural by Barry Levinson is still one of my favorites and I love it and having a chance to watch it again recently reassured me that yes I do I do love a lot of the moments of this film it was a it was a fun film to watch on the Memorial Day weekend because you know it's like baseball America apple pie kind of yeah. so that, that made it fun I I had seen it before but not in a long time and I remember my feelings for the original because I had watched the original cut that you're talking about originally and I definitely would agree that, you know, stick with that if you can find it, because I think it helps with the pacing and everything. And the the director's cut, while good, I think the original cut is probably, is probably the way to go. So yeah, no, it definitely is. So I definitely would recommend not, not, I mean, unfortunately online right now, if you were to rent the movie or buy it, I think the director's cut's the only one I could find anywhere. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a challenge to find the, the original theatrical one, but um, um, definitely uh, one to check out. It was a fun. Well, what about you, Chris? What do you have to recommend this week? So you know, we talked. We in our review of Top Gun Maverick, it was you know Top Gun coming out, Maverick coming out thirty six years after the original, um, and what did it manage to do? Well, it did some okay things. So I'm going to recommend Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Oh my gosh! Wow. So this is it's their tagline is it's not a reboot, it's a comeback. So the story is decades since their successful television series was canceled, Chip has succumbed to a life of suburban domesticity as an insurance salesman. Dale, meanwhile, has had CGI surgery and works the nostalgia convention circuit, desperate to relive his glory days. Who's voicing these people? Andy Samberg and John Mulvaney. Who's yeah. directing it? Somebody else from the Lonely Island crew, Akiva Schaefer. I had heard that they were doing this. I saw it pop up on Disney Plus, which is if you have a subscription, you can stream it for free. And I was like, you know what? Let's check this out. Told, asked my wife to check. She's like, we're, I'm sorry, we're going to watch what? Are, we what? Again? Are you kidding? Like Stranger Things has come out. Obi-Wan mm-hmm. Kenobi. We're going to do what? We're going to watch Chip and Dale Rescue Me. I was like, yeah, just, just, let's just give it a shot. Watched it, and I paused it at one point halfway through. She had to get up and like get something to drink. And I was like, I could not be liking this movie more. Wow. Um, imagine kind of an update in a way of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what this is. I I really, really liked it. Is it a perfect right. film? No. Is it going to be up for Oscars? No. But as far as like if you want to take something and reference it and know that you, what you're doing and really being self-aware the whole mm-hmm. time, um, I just think this is great. I'll say too, kind of impressive. I mean, this is a Disney product that they take the shots that they do at themselves. Hmm. Pretty because Disney usually, I feel like, is kind of bulletproof where they don't really mess with their properties or they're too worried about franchises, Marvel, Star Wars, mm-hmm. to kind of be self-critical. But they take a shot at one of their kind of like legendary characters, I'll say that I was kind of surprised and made them not 
appealing or attractive and I don't want to ruin who it is. Right. But I was like, whoa, I'm kind of surprised they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And it was the Roger Rabbit aspect because it is a combination of animation and real life people like walking around kind of how Roger Rabbit did that. And they have aspects from different franchises that are not Disney that they got rights to Mm -hmm. that they put into this thing. Wow. So, well, let me ask a very, I, a I very. Like uh, let me ask a very sophisticated question here. <laughs> sure. If I am not privy to Chippendale Rescue Rangers, okay. In other words, it just I was too old for that. It never. Mm-hmm. I never saw any mm-hmm. of these shows or any of the cartoon. Will it be as enjoyable, or do you need to have that prior knowledge? See, and I think that's how. As good as I think this thing is, I think that's why it got dumped on Disney Plus and not released theatrically because. It is a very niche film. Yeah. I am not sure if you don't really know the whole Rescue Rangers thing, because I did. I, I remember watching episodes of it when I would come home from school. Uh, I was probably a little bit too old. I was a dork. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couple years older than you, so I so, think that it must have just missed that window. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the callbacks that they do to the series and stuff... I think there's enough in here that you would appreciate it without that. I'd be interested okay. to see your mileage with this well, film. Well, look, I like... I like uh, John Mulvaney. I like uh, Andy Samberg. I like uh, uh, the whole uh, Lonely Island crew. Crew. So yes, all the talent involved. I'm super on board, and I like the premise of it. I like the conceit of it. I just, you know, just curious if it's going to be a lot of a lot of more in jokes, a lot more comments about the, the cartoon that I, I think, will not understand. Let's say like I think your appreciation would only be enriched if you get a lot of the in jokes, but I think there's enough here that you don't have to be. Um, I I definitely think there's, because yeah, like the kids, I think a lot, I think kids, I think would enjoy this, but it might fly right over their head because they're like, what's going on? Um, But yeah, I I think it's worth checking out. So So we have the natural (laughs) and we have Chippendale rescue Rangers. rescue Rangers. Yes. That is the official name of the film. That is the official name. It is on Disney plus. Yes. The natural is available for rent. I don't think it's really streaming anywhere. I think Crackle was the only place we found that was streaming it. Right. Otherwise, you'd have to buy it uh, and get a get a downloaded copy of the film. Um, okay. Interesting. So overall, interesting episode, Chris. We had uh, reviews of Top Gun Maverick and of Men. Um, we had our uh, discussion of three very interesting and very diverse trailers of films that becoming making their way to the multiplex in the coming months, or in the case of Hustle, at least to Netflix online. And then our recommendations, The Natural and Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So, Chris, a lot to process from this week's episode. A lot of people probably have some very different opinions or sure. comments or questions about anything we discussed. How, uh, how can they go ahead and get a hold of us if they do want to dialogue about anything we talked about today? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Al and I are also on Letterboxd, where you can track what we're seeing, and sometimes we leave little reviews. Do us a favor. If you like the show, consider giving us a star rating or write a review or share with friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on, because it'll possibly help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. Uh Last but not least, I will mention Foot Candle Film Festival is coming up September 21st through the 25th. So uh, if you are in North Carolina, come check us out. If you're not If you're in North Carolina but can't come to the festival, we're going to be doing online for those that are in North Carolina. So you could check us out that way. So either in person or online, uh, September 21st through the 25th. Okay. 
Good deal. Well, that will wrap it up for Foot Candle Films for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we look forward to being back with you here in the coming weeks as we talk about other new films that have come out, some other movie news, and other movie recommendations. Chris, thanks. We'll talk to everybody next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.